Um, this week we have a special celebration. It is Laura's birthday on the 9th. <laughs> um, today is Pentecost Sunday and Communion Sunday. Um, tonight we have prayer and worship at 7 p.m. here at the church. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, well, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we're going through the summer with Wednesday nights um, now. So we have Wednesday night Bible study for all ages starting at 7. Um, we have um, kids' uh, dinner about 6.15, so don't got to feed the kids. So invite someone to that. Um, we have a couple fundraisers coming up. We're going to be doing one this Saturday uh, at the lovely Lilac anniversary um, in, in the parking lot there. It's going to be 11 to 4. So let me know if you want to come help. Um, I'd really like if we could have um, one more guy coming to grill. Um, we have, we're going to have Matt grilling, which I'm sure he could handle on his own, but <laughs> he might could use some help. Um, so let me know if you want to come by or at least come by and grab a burger and come support our youth groups. Um, and then the youth is also going to be doing a Father's Day car wash fundraiser here at the church Saturday, June 18th from 10 to 4 p.m. So um, if you want to help with that, you can see Logan and Kira um, or just come get your car washed. And then um, our North Dakota camp meeting is coming up um, June 21st through the 24th. It's going to be at the West Minot Church of God. Um, we're going to be there the whole time, but we're just encouraging everybody, if you can make it to at least one service, the night services are very powerful. Um, it's a great time of worship and preaching and fellowship. So try to make it to one of those if you can. Um, and then our annual church picnics also coming up. And all of this stuff is on the calendars. There's calendars out in the foyer um, to help remind you of all this. But um, our annual church picnic is going to be June 26 at Riverside Park, Pavilion 2 at 1030. Um, so there is a time change. And um, br so bring a dish to share. Um, and the church will be providing hamburgers and hot dogs. Um, Next Sunday, one more thing, we're, we have our women's uh, meeting. Um, that'll be at 3 p.m. in the fellowship hall. All ladies are welcome and encouraged to come. Um, we only meet once a month, so if you can make it, um, we'd really appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Prairie View. What a great day. Lots of people here. Sun is up for, for now. Maybe some rain coming, but uh, it's great to see a lot of faces here uh, in our summertime. There's lots of activities going on. So um, I just want to share a short scripture uh, with you. It's Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily for the Lord. And last couple of days I've been traveling, doing some of my um, mental toughness volleyball camps, and, and I do a little bit of preaching at the end of that camp. Um, and that's one of the scriptures that I praying about that I've been sharing with a lot of the students and and I think we kind of get in that doldrum of life where we just go through the motions sometimes and to me when I see that scripture and read that scripture you know I just help but think everything we do is if even if it's monotonous right if we think about doing it for Jesus right if it's washing the dishes or mowing the yard or whatever right think of that higher power that's up there guiding us and leading us and 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 let us put our whole heart into whatever we're doing no matter what not just all the time but let's think about that verse and use it in our life every day that we go through our lives and give the glory to Jesus so let's stand and pray today as we start our worship Thank you. 
we'll get ready to take communion here. Um, just want to encourage everybody to, to take the next few moments and, and search your heart. Uh, communion is for believers only. Um, but as long as you're a believer in Christ, you are, you're more than welcome to take communion. We'll, we'll do it the way that we normally do it. We'll just have everybody kind of line up on, on this side and, and come through. But I um, just want to pray before we, we take communion. Heavenly Father, God, I, I thank you so much for this day, what this day signifies, and in your presence with us. But as we get ready to take communion, Father, I pray that, that we will look to Jesus to see all that he has done for us, to see that he gave his life so that we could live. And so, Father, as we come and, and gather our elements and, and we, we partake of communion, may you be present in a very real and tangible way. May we be reminded of the cost of our sin, of the price that was paid, in Jesus that you willfully did it. May you receive glory and honor. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 23. Scripture says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may eat the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Partake of the cup. Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that, that you paid for our sins that you made a way for sinners to come through your sacrifice, through your blood, through your life into the arms of a holy God. May we never take for granted what you have done. May we remember the price that was paid and live lives that honor that price. And Father, as we move now into the, the sermon part of the the service, I pray that we would stay in a frame of worship. That as your word goes forth, that Holy Spirit, you would anoint my mouth, that you would give me your unction to preach this word. God, I pray that you would open our, our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive from you today. And may everything that is said and done bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a children's church today, if, if anybody would want to be dismissed for that. And then um, one of the things that was not in the announcements is that uh, camp, youth camp applications or um, deposits are due by July 1st. We're going to have to have them a little bit before that uh, because Logan and Kara will be gone. And so I believe it's $75 per camper that, that we're asking uh, parents to, to try and pay. If you cannot pay that, um, come talk to us about that. But uh, $75 a camp went up this year, it's 180 so uh, we're just asking the parents to, to pay that initial part, but if you have a child that is going to camp, please do not leave today unless you talk to Logan and Kara about that. Um, as we get ready to move into to 
the sermon, we, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday today, which is one of my favorite Sundays. I, I love it not just because we're, we're uh, Pentecostals, but just because of what it means for, for our, our everyday life. And without the Holy Spirit, we'd be hard-pressed to be adequate uh, witnesses of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I know that who I was before salvation uh, w- w- was, was not who I am now, but I also know that that there was a time where I, I came to Christ and I, I, was, I was worried about being a witness. I was worried about being a, test, a testimony to him. I, I didn't have the, the power that I needed to be an adequate witness. And so we're going to look at that today. And um, we're going to look at, at the life of Peter. And we're, it's, it's interesting that we fall on Pentecost Sunday today as we're walking through the book of First Peter, which was written by Peter. So take everything that we've talked about in that series and that we are talking about in that series and remember that who we're talking about today is the man that, that, that the Holy Spirit used to write those scriptures. And so the first thing I want to talk about when it, when it comes to Peter is uh, what he's known for. He's known for two things. The first is a, the denier of Christ. And the second is, is for his, his testimony of Christ on Pentecost. But I want to first look at, at the denier. So um, most of us know Peter. He was one of the disciples. He, he was known as Simon Peter or Cephas. And he's probably one of the more relatable disciples that we find because he he has these these foot and mouth moments or these tongue and cheek things and he he he's very relatable because there's times where he is so far above the other disciples you think he's just prime number one but then there's times where he is so ignorant of what the lord is doing that you kind of wonder how he's even a disciple to begin with and, and he, he it's interesting he kind of goes back and forth between those two things quite often but the thing that i love about peter is peter's average Peter's relatable. Peter's not some super apostle that, that you can't even approach. He, he is a, a living, breathing, walking human being that, that gets some things right and some things wrong. And, and as we, we look at this, we're going to see that he's kind of a, a walking conundrum. He, he, he's a paradox, and he's very much an average human being. But in Matthew, beginning of verse 26, or chapter 26, I'm sorry, beginning of verse 69, we read of, of his denial of Christ. Scripture says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. In church, this is what happens when a man tries to control his own tongue, and and it brings about deception and, and lies and denial. And James says it, in a slightly different way, he says in, in uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, he says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And this is what happens when Peter tries to control his tongue. He, he, he ends up denying the very Christ that he walked with. And it, it might be one thing if Peter had just brushed up against Christ once. If they were walking down the street and, and people pointed out to Peter, hey, hey that's, that's a Christ. And Peter says, oh, I, I've never met him. I, I, I now know who he is, but I've never met him. That might be understandable. But it's not understandable when Peter walked with Jesus day in and day out for, for three years where he lived with him, where he was spent almost every waking minute with him. And, and, and the hard part about this story, and, and most of us know this, is that right before Peter denies Jesus what we just read, he says the, the, the following, and, and that's found in Matthew 26, just a couple of verses earlier, 31 through 35, he says, Then Jesus said to them, all his disciples, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And, and, and churches, this is, the situation is so sad. It, it's Peter that, that saw Jesus walking on water and said, if, if that's you, command me to come out of the boat. And, and Jesus did. And, and Peter steps out onto water and walks. This is not a man that has little faith. This is not a man that did not experience great things. This is not a man that, uh, he had the revelation of Jesus Christ being the son of the living God that was given to him by the Father. This is a man that, that knew certain things. This is a man that saw so much of what Jesus did. It's a man that should have known better. But he didn't. The, the, the one that, that saw all that Jesus did and that, that, that professed those things about Christ, that's the same one that denies Jesus mere hours later. And not just once, but three times. And it would be an absolutely heartbreaking thing if Peter's story ended there. If he was just always and forever known as the denier of Jesus. But praise be to God, that's not the end of his story. There's more to come. And, and so I want to look at, at, at something that, that changes Peter from the inside out. It, it, it's something that would, would happen. and It would move Peter from being this, this, this weak disciple of Christ. One that could not even testify to who Christ was. One that, that denied that he even knew him into a man that got up in front of thousands and boldly professed and proclaimed who Jesus Christ is. And, and, and it's, it's not something that happened, it's someone. It's the Holy Spirit. So as we look uh, at the testifier, let's, let's move to Acts chapter 1. I want you to think about how Peter's tongue was uncontrolled. It was trying to be controlled by him, but instead it was set on fire by hell. And that's who Peter was. But that's not who Peter stays. In Acts 1.8, we read the following. It's a promise made to Jesus' disciples by him. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, or witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We, we find all these disciples and followers waiting in an upper room. They're waiting for the promise that Jesus said. They're, they're, they're there, and they're praying, and they're waiting, and they don't know what's going to happen, but they know that Jesus said something would happen. They know that Jesus said, Wait until something happens. 
Right? We, we have an old adage in the church of God that, that's called push, which is pray until something happens. They were told to wait until something happens. We, we pick that up in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them, or to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. So you have some that, that hear this, this, they don't understand what they're hearing. They don't understand what they can hear in their own language. But then you have others that, that, that mock and they say they're, they're just drunk. It, it, they're just beside themselves. And, and Peter, the, this denier that we just read about, the one that had made so many mistakes, the one that, that <clears throat> in Scripture it says that, that they, they went and told the disciples and Peter that Jesus was risen from the dead. At that point, he separated from them. Jesus has to bring him back in because of what he has done. And, and so that very same Peter, the, 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 the one that had, had denied God, God kept his promise to Peter. God brought him in and he said, wait until something happens. God kept his promise. And so as Peter's waiting, as, 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 the, as the Holy Spirit falls upon this upper room, Peter somehow changes. He's no longer in control of his own tongue. That, that one that was so afraid to acknowledge Christ before men, that was the denier, has now come the testifier. And, and church, no man can tame the tongue. But I'm telling you, there is a God that can. There is a God that does, and there is a God that will, and it's the Holy Spirit. And so what we see happen here is we, we see Peter, the, the Holy Spirit falls. And, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, there, that whole chapter is worth reading, but I'm going to pick parts out of it. Verse 14 is so powerful to me. It says, but Peter, right? This same denier, the same one that hid, the same one that, that, that ran when they came to get Jesus, the, the one that denied him three times, this same Peter, standing up. You only stand up if you've got something to say, amen? He's not sitting down. He's not letting other people say it. He stands up. He raises his voice. Think about that. That same tongue that denied Christ is now going to be the tongue that's used to proclaim Christ because of what the Holy Spirit did. He, he stands up. He raises his voice. And he said to them, to all these people, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. His sermon goes on, but this is not the same Peter. 
This is not a weak, timid Peter. This is not a, a Peter that, that hasn't made up his mind about Christ yet. This is a Peter that, that knows what's going on. Something has changed inside of him that, that moves him from being the, the weak uh, uh, denier of Christ into this powerful pillar that, 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 that God builds his church on. It, it, something changes. And I want us to understand that, that we can come to salvation. We can have Jesus Christ. But God wants us to have more. Jesus said himself, it is expedient that I go. So it's better that we have the Holy Spirit than we have Jesus physically here with us. He said, because if I go, then I can send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And so we have got to understand that if we only come so far with God and we, we stop with Jesus, we're missing out on power that moves us from being just people that know who Jesus is and might deny him into people that proclaim who Jesus is because he's in us. And so Pentecost is more than just a, a tongues and, and, and a mighty wind. It's the Holy Spirit himself being poured out on all flesh. I wish somebody would get excited because I can't talk this loud forever. So if you don't encourage me, it's going to be like this and that. And I don't know what's going to happen. But church, I want us to understand, look at what Peter does. This Peter that, that, that proclaimed that, that Christ was the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, flesh and bone did not reveal that to you, but my father in heaven, he turns and, and, and Christ says, but I, I have to die. And Peter says, yeah, right. Why would you say that? And what does Jesus say to him? Anybody know? Get thee behind me, Satan. I wouldn't want to be called Satan from Jesus. Right? Peter's a confused guy. Peter's a rash guy. Peter likes to open his mouth and whatever words fall out, fall out. Until Pentecost. Listen to what he says in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 47. He says, Therefore, and this is Peter talking, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, the same Jesus that Peter denied, he's now proclaiming. Assuredly, he has made him, both Lord and Christ. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So Peter, that, that, that for fear of man denies Christ, now stands up and uses the revelation of who Christ is given to him by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to cut men to their heart. Fear has changed. Instead of fearing men, he now fears God. And he knows who Christ is. It says that they were, they, were, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of, Christ, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, okay, them, not us, them, to your children. I was going to make an old joke, but I, I probably won't do that right now. Still not us. And to all who are far off, as many as our Lord God will call us. This is not a promise that ends four days after Pentecost. This is not a promise that ends in 140 years when, when generations die. This is a promise that is still going. And I don't know about you, but I've been called to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this promise is mine. And this promise is yours. It says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 
a thousand for every time he denied Christ and is now been brought back in, empowered, given a tongue to proclaim who Christ is. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Church, I want to explain something really carefully. When Peter gets moved from a denier to a testifier, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not a church. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not a group of people. It is the promised Holy Spirit. But I want you to also notice that it wasn't just Peter that spoke. Every person in the upper room broke out and spoke in a language they did not know. Every one of them. Every one of them. Because when the Holy Spirit falls on you, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a power that comes that you cannot contain. I want to tell you something. If you can contain the Holy Spirit, He's not God. You are. He cannot be contained. All these nations heard them speaking in tongues. They heard them in their own language, the message of who Jesus was. They were equipped to testify. They were equipped with a tongue to testify. And they were equipped with tongues to testify. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit for a few minutes. And and I get excited about Pentecost but I'm going to remind us of a couple things that I think as Pentecostals we forgot and we definitely need to get back to. The, the first thing that, that's interesting to me about the day of Pentecost is that, that Peter didn't get up and say, man of Judea, listen to this new thing I have to say. Listen to this new revelation. He didn't get up and say, listen, I know you guys have your scriptures, but I'm going to speak some stuff and eventually they're going to wind up in scriptures, so just go with what I said. He didn't say that. He got up, he proclaimed who Jesus Christ was, what Jesus Christ did, and he used the Old Testament, the scriptures he had at that time, to expound that. He didn't have this new word. And, and a while ago, I, don't, I say a while, it might have been, I don't know how many years ago it was, but there was this big movement that went around in, in Pentecostal and charismatic churches called the, the Rima movement, where you, you would pray and ask God to give you this new word, and it would unlock this understanding that, that you needed for your life. And it, that's not what Peter did. That's not what Pentecost was about. Peter didn't ask God for a new word. God gave Peter the Holy Spirit, which allowed him to understand who Jesus was, which allowed him to understand the scriptures correctly, which propelled him to testify of those things. And so we're not here looking for something new. We're not here looking for a new spiritual experience. We are here on Pentecost today looking back so that we remain faithful to the same thing that Peter did back then, which is the Spirit and the Word. They cannot be divorced. They cannot be separated. The the proper expounding of Scripture is always what cuts men to the heart. Because the Scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. He works and moves through them. Robert L. Raymond says, The Spirit without the Word is a delusion, and the Word without the Spirit is dead. Word and Spirit ever belong together and must never be separated. And, And... I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit was poured out not to take us beyond the Word, 
but to saturate us in the word. If you're looking for something new, but you can't live according to, to what you already have, there's a disconnect somewhere. As many times as I've read this Bible, it's always speaking fresh to me. Not something new, not something crazy, but a deeper understanding of what God is doing, of who God is, and of how that applies to my life. If you can speak in tongues, but you can't live a godly lifestyle, there's a disconnect, a huge one. God cares about how we live. The, the Westminster Larger Catechism is quoted as saying the following, that the Spirit of God maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ, of conforming them to His image and subduing them to His will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. This same Peter that had trouble understanding things, that had trouble recognizing what Jesus was doing, that had trouble seeing the, the big picture of Christ, now can look at Scripture and understand exactly who Jesus is because of it. Joel Beek, when, when he's speaking of John Calvin, he says the following, Calvin stressed that the Spirit is fulsome. His gifts are full. Pentecost was full. The wind filled the house where the followers of Jesus were sitting, and it filled their hearts. This is what we need today, that the fullness of the Spirit. Our forefathers often compared the fullness of the Spirit to a sailboat in full gale. This is the church's need today. How we should be praying, give us the fullness of the Spirit, Lord. Come, north and south winds, and blow on Christ's garden. Come, Savior, walk in the garden of the church and smell the sweet spices. Work mightily by the Holy Spirit in us, our children, our church, our community, and our nation. And I think one of the problems that, that, that Pentecost churches have today is that we, we've, we've put so much emphasis on, on, on goosebumps and, and, and tongues that, that we, we've neglected the Word and we've forgotten the God behind the tongues. Tongues is a gift. There is a giver of a gift. Uh, no gift is just randomly going to appear out of nowhere. Somebody is going to give a gift to you. The, the gift is not the important part. The giver is the important part. And, and so we, we've, we've elevated and we've got this thing all cattywampus and, and, and out of order. And, and I cannot tell you in my own personal seeking for, for the baptism, baptism of the Holy Ghost, I, I tried so hard for years to receive, and I didn't. And the reason I didn't is because I didn't want the Holy Spirit. I wanted tongues. It wasn't until I got over myself and I saw the Spirit of God for who He was, for the fullness of what His presence means that I was baptized. When you think of water baptism, right, by immersion, there's not one part of that person that's not submersed into water. That's why we, that's why we immerse them in water. They're completely covered. And that, that represents something that... that that has happened inside, right? It's the same way with the Holy Spirit baptism. You are fully immersed in the presence of God. There's not one part of you that stays out of that baptism. And that causes a change to happen. Peter was not made perfect at Pentecost at all. But he was empowered to be a witness for Christ in ways that he previously could not be. He understood things he could not have known before. 
The, the, the Holy Spirit changes people from, from what they were or, or what they are into who God needs them to be. And as we get ready to close, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit frank, but going to Pentecostal church does not make you Pentecostal. I'll say that one more time. Going to Pentecostal church does not make you Pentecostal. It makes you somebody that goes to Pentecostal church. Uh, Dr. Tim Hill said, <laughs> the minute your church has 51% of people that are not Pentecostal and 49% of people that are, you're no longer Pentecostal. Going to a Pentecostal church does not make you Pentecostal. We cannot even believe in the bride of Christ unless we believe in Pentecost. Because the day of Pentecost is when the church was initiated. And so if we forsake that part of it, we move out everything in the rest of Scripture that talks about the church. But the proof of a spirit-filled life is, is, is not found in what you say, it's found in what you do. We walk by the Spirit and not by flesh. It doesn't matter what church you go to, what creed you hold to, who your grandparents or your parents are, what denomination you're a member of. What matters is how you live your life. And we've settled for a, a half-hearted spirit baptism that gives us the ability to pray in a heavy language but doesn't move us from being people that cannot boldly witness for Christ into people that can boldly witness for Christ. I mean... We settle for, for goosebumps and, and tears when God really wants transformation and application. And we, 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 we come up to the altar and we, we cry off some, some tears. They're not tears of repentance. They're tears of conviction. And the reason that we come up to the altar time and time again for the same thing is because we're not repenting. We're just crying. And the Holy Spirit's just begging us to, to actually let him help us repent. Because if we repented, we wouldn't need to come back to the altar for the same thing. Because repentance is being sorry enough to stop, right? We, we've convinced ourselves that, that God has a special blessing for our denomination because we bear the name of Pentecostals. That's not in Scripture. It's not. You won't find that in Scripture. What you will find is people that long for the Spirit of God being filled with the Spirit of God. So, Having a denomination that is Pentecostal does not make us Pentecostal. Longing for the Spirit of God until we are filled with the Spirit of God makes us Pentecostal. So we've settled for too long on writing the coattails of what happened before. And so we know about it, but we don't have any breath of fresh wind in our lives. We don't have any Holy Spirit unction. We don't have any Holy Spirit power. And the reason we don't is because we somehow think that God just gives it to us because he, he owes it to us, but that's not the case. We've for, forsaken Scripture for, for good books and motivational speeches. But God doesn't need any of that right now. What God needs is empowered, hungry, thirsty, unsatisfied, heavenly-minded, spirit-controlled, biblically-grounded, divinely-appointed people of God to be who he has called him to be, to do what he has called him to do, and to testify of who he really is. That's the only way that we can say we live in the power of Pentecost. 
But more than that, we need the power of Pentecost to be who God has called us to be for our families, for our community, for our, our state, our nation, our, our church. And, and politics won't fix this, and money won't fix this, and fame won't fix this, and hiding won't fix this. The only thing that will fix the lack of power in the church today is the Holy Spirit himself. The only way that gets fixed is if we go back to this, back to Scripture, and we realize that, that they had to, to wait, and they had to purpose, and they had to pursue. It doesn't say that, that, that uh, on that day, on, on Pentecost, that they were all lounging and, and taking a break, just waiting for God to do something. They were seeking him. They were ready. They were obeying. And lives lived in obedience to God, when you're seeking the Spirit of God, will be filled by the Spirit of God. And, and a return to Pentecost is not, I want to be very clear, I believe in tongues. I, I have my own heavenly prayer language. I'm not, I have nothing against tongues. What I do have something against is when we don't want the Holy Spirit to change our lives, we just want him to give us something to say. When you look at Pentecost, it was the fact that the Holy Spirit had changed Peter's life that he had something to say. And so only you know where you sit. I, I, I wish I had, well, I don't. I was going to say I wish I had the ability to see into your hearts, but I, I think it's probably better that we don't have that ability. Um, but only you know where you sit with the Lord. And so there's probably a couple different places you might sit today. One is you're, you're absolutely new to Pentecost. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a sermon on tongues, and, and that's okay. The second is maybe you've grown up hearing about Pentecost, but you've never experienced Pentecost. And that'd be like hearing about Jesus and watching him walk by and never actually getting to meet him. It's about the same thing. Maybe you uh, were baptized in the Holy Spirit a time ago, but just due to things in your life, whether it be hardships or trials or pain or sin, you're no longer Pentecostal. You were, but you aren't now. Maybe you're Pentecostal, but you just stop hungering after the Lord. And I'm not trying to make this about, about anything other than, than what it's about. We need the Holy Spirit. If you take out all the scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we are void of so much. If you take out everything that Paul and Peter and all the other New Testament writers say about the Holy Spirit and what he does for Christians, and you get rid of that, you don't have much left. But that's how a lot of people are living their lives. They didn't pull the scriptures out of the Bible, but they pulled them out of their life. And so today, as we get ready to, to enter into just a time of reflection, the, the altars are always open. I'm actually going to ask you to not come forward for the gift of tongues. I'm going to ask you to come forward because you need to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we'll let whatever's going to happen between you and him happen between you and him. But church, all I know is that if we live weakened, defeated lives where we may not deny Christ with our mouth, 
where we deny him in every other aspect, we'll only get the results that the denier Peter got, which is weeping, bitterness. If we instead take Scripture for what it says, and we understand that, that whether you want to or not, if you're born again, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. If we take that knowledge and we take Scripture and we say, God, you're God, I'm not. And because you're God and I'm not, then I want everything you have for me. Regardless of my opinion about Scripture, regardless of somebody else's opinion about Scripture, I want, according to Scripture, all that you have for me. I want the fullness of the Spirit according to Scripture. I promise you, I promise you, I don't even have to promise you, God promises you, that He will do what He has said He will do. And could you imagine, I don't know how many people are in this church today, but if every one of us was set on fire with the boldness that caused us to stand up in the midst of thousands of people and proclaim who Jesus Christ is. Do you think it would change this church? You think it would change your family? You think Beulah's ready for that? As I said, we give it to him. You only get what the Holy Spirit can do in you by letting the Holy Spirit do in you what only he can do. There is no other way. I'm not shouting. I'm not running across the stage, mainly because I couldn't, because I don't want this to be emotional. I want it to be spiritual. And so, as Logan gets ready to play something, we're going to open up these altars, and I'm going to ask that if you know that you have a lot of power in your life, Holy Spirit power, and, and, and we, can, we can justify it to ourselves all we want of why we don't. It's just, I'm just having a bad week. I just, we can do that all we want. But if you know that you are not living with Holy Spirit power, the kind that, that makes you stand up and testify of who Jesus Christ is, no matter what the opposition is. I mean, the, the people that, that Peter testified to were not the most friendly of people he could have testified to. They had just killed Jesus Christ. They weren't a welcoming crowd. We have got to have Holy Spirit power to be proper and adequate witnesses of Jesus Christ in this day and age. Every other age has needed it. We are not exempt. If you are hungry, and if you are thirsty, and if you need more power than what you have, then I'm going to ask that you come forward. And we'll pray with you. If there's a lot of you, we'll, we'll get to you as we can. But you're not coming forward so I can pray with you. You're coming forward because God is here, because the Holy Spirit is present, and because his gifts are available and free to those who come and ask of them. Amen?